At Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, just after three, it is time for the report card of the Eagles and the 49ers. It's Grayson's Grades, and they are brought to you by Cross County Connection, the region's transportation management association. They are dedicated to improving the quality of life in South Jersey through transportation solutions. Learn more about Cross County Connection at www.driveless.com www.driveless.com I'm Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, what's going on everybody? Scott Grayson has the report card, Grayson's grades are posted right now at 973ESPN.com, you can get all the grades after every Eagles game Carson Wentz had been stuck in the D category for the first three report cards at the quarter pole of the season, how did he make out? Let's find out now with Scott Grayson 973ESPN.com, Fox 29, and he joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. All right, Scott, so a couple of rough patches there for Carson Wentz. He goes on the road last night against a very good 49ers team, and finally, did he get himself out of the D category? <laughs> yeah, he did get himself out of the D range, and, uh, you know, I, I sat there I was thinking about what am I going to give him because – he, look, to be fair, he's been inconsistent, and that's been the thing that's plagued him throughout the season so far, and it's unfortunately resulted in some costly turnovers at times. Now, on the bright side, he only had one turnover uh, last night, and, um, well, I guess that's improvement, but I'm still not seeing things that you want to see. Look, when the game's on the line, he is making plays. Um, he did give them the lead early on with that nice run. What I really liked seeing was that he was more mobile. He let his legs get him into some open windows to throw the ball and when he didn't a hand up got up from a defensive lineman and it resulted in a batted ball that was picked off so I like the game plan a little bit that got him on the move more I think it makes him more comfortable quite frankly I think he throws better when he rolls out of the pocket uh, he's more accurate it seems like and, and I think that's a good thing that they can try to build his confidence with to get started um, but he's still not accurate enough. He's still missing guys. He's still missing some throws that should be made. Uh, and that's where I ultimately settled on giving him a C. Um, look, he's not lighting up the stat sheet, but he did make the plays and lead them on the drives they needed when they really needed them the most. The throw to Fulgham, I mean, I don't know how you trust the guy that you've hardly even worked with. They've only repped that play once, he said, uh, in practice, and they connected on it. So I like the way that he, he you know, trusted a guy to make a play when he needed to. The fourth and four conversion, a well-thrown ball. He's just got to get more consistent, and that grade will certainly come up. I want to go to uh, the defensive line. You gave him an A. And really, you know, it comes down to this for Philly. Their defensive line is the strongest unit they have on the team. If they're going to be good, their linebackers are horrible. Their secondary's average. They need that defensive line to play the way they did last night, and you gave them an A. Yeah, you can't be more accurate than what you said. They not only need to be uh, – or not only the best unit that this team has uh, around the entire roster – I think they're also the deepest, and uh, you see that playing to their advantage later in games, and this is why it's important that they not fall behind uh, like they had in some of those other games, because when they can rotate fresh legs in um, and get that pressure on the quarterback the way that they were able to later in the game especially, and throughout the game they were getting there, they were in his face, 15 quarterback hits, I mean, that's great when you can get to the quarterback and knock him down. Maybe you don't get the sack, but you know, you're letting them know you're there, and they definitely altered throws forced incompletions when they couldn't quite get to the quarterback, registered the sacks they needed to get, finally forced turnovers. Um, the sack fumble was, was, was great. They needed that at the time. Um, 
and that, that defensive line, like you said, is really setting the key and setting the tone. And when you get back there, your secondary doesn't have to cover as much. Your linebackers don't get as exposed, although – Yes, they were bad again yesterday. Uh, but the defensive line, Denard Avery showed up in a big way. Uh, Josh Sweat, Hassan Ridgeway all got sacks. Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave each got half a sack. I-, I like what you're seeing out of that group, and it's no no coincidence that the defense played better overall. Let's flip it to the other side of the line. You gave the offensive line a D, and I thought that, you know, based off of their circumstances, they held their own, and Jordan Maialata, he had the false start, but other than that, I thought he was strong. So why did you give this line a D? Uh, well, because the penalties. Now, yes, I know it's Jordan Maialata's first start. That, that false start penalty, to me, that was a third and one. Uh, look, you're, you're, he's trying to draw the defense off. These kind of things can't happen. I put it in the same kind of boat. Granted, it didn't cost them a game like Matt Pryor's false start, but you're at the pro level. That can't happen. And, look, I liked a lot of things I saw out of Jordan Mailata, but why was Carson Wentz running for his life a lot? He should have been sacked more than he was. And unlike some games in the past, he was able to get away from it. Uh, and he did actually throw the ball away at times. They were still giving up a lot of pressure. They were still giving up um, a lot of hits on Wentz. And he, he, I just still think they've got to do a better job of protecting him. They've got a revolving door for the fourth time in a row, fourth game in a row. They had a different offensive line. Lane Johnson's in and out. You got Jason Peters out now. My lot of in. Look, I did see some good things, and maybe the D was a little bit harsh, but I saw Carson Wentz forced to run, not by design, but out of running for his life at times. And I still think that line has got to get better. Scott Grayson, Grayson's grades, looking at uh, some of the uh, performances from yesterday. Doug Peterson, he's uh, been in the F category for you in the past. Uh, how did uh, Peterson fare last night? Boy, I'll tell you what. He's like Jekyll and Hyde himself. Last week I ripped him because he was very conservative. And what did he do here? He came out of the gate. And the two-point conversion they got early in the game really set the tone. The 49ers were chasing that point the rest of the way, essentially. And ultimately, it forced them to go for two to make it a three-point game late. And that pass went off Kittle's hands and fell incomplete. And the Eagles had a five-point lead instead of a three-point lead. Who knows how that game would have played out otherwise. But I, I, I gave Peterson a lot of credit in my mind for going back to being who he is. Don't change who you are. Still be aggressive. But pick the right times to do it. And the fourth and four that they had to go for, I mean, I felt they had to go for it there. He had a good play call, and they converted, and it continued to put pressure on that 49ers defense. I just felt like we saw more of the Doug Peterson we've been used to seeing yesterday than we had the week before or earlier in the season. I really think he got conservative because he was afraid to trust his team. And last night, he knew he was an underdog, and you have to do things like that and be aggressive to force your will on the opponent. He did that, and I like the aggressiveness, and that's more of what I want to see from Peterson, uh, particularly with uh, with his team. And I like the way he handled Carson Wentz more, like I said earlier, getting out of the pocket, rolling him out. We've been saying that for weeks now. You've got to get him away from the pressure, and, and good things will happen. And I saw that out of what he did with that game plan. I still want to see him. Look, you've got to give Miles Sanders some more runs. He seems to disappear in the second half, and it's not Miles Sanders' fault. For whatever reason, Doug goes away from the running game in those times, and I think that's the time when you really need to 
start leaning on it more. So that's one area I could see Doug improving. What would you think about what he said today about that? I mean, it was a strange answer. You know, why wasn't he out on the field? And he says, well, you know, we have situational football. We have first, second, third. We have, you know, uh, four-minute offense. We have two-minute football, backup football. All right, that's great. But why isn't he a part of those packages in the the biggest part of the game? You read into, into anything there? I don't think he's being honest. I'll say that. Uh, I, I don't know why Corey Clement, who many believe right now is your third string running back, was on the field in that crunch time. Now, you could argue that Sanders has at times had some ball security issues in the past, but I mean, Clement has too. I, if he's your starting running back, he's the guy who needs to be out there. Now, I don't think that uh, Doug was being honest. I know he was asked about Miles Sanders' health. Um, and, and Sanders, he said he's fine. He's good to go. But I, I think in that moment, I think there was something going on, and for whatever reason, Sanders wasn't on the field. I don't think Doug was being honest about that. I don't think in crunch time there, you're, you're making the defense have to account for Corey Clement. Um, you know, it worked. They got it done. But, yeah, I, I, that was a fishy answer, and it's something to bear watching uh, as we go into this week's game against the Steelers. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking it had to have been a glute or, hey, the conversation with him over the last couple of weeks has been fatigue and, and conditioning, so I just wonder if, if that's what's in play. And also, there was a spurt of 17 offensive plays where Sanders did not get the ball. It's just crazy to think that your best player, I mean, he's your best offensive player, isn't getting the ball in 17 straight plays. But I want to touch on Jim Schwartz because the end of the game leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth. I'm not a Jim Schwartz hater. In four games, the Eagles defense is number one in sacks, nine in yards allowed, five in yards per play allowed, and five on third down. So he gets a lot of criticism for the sticks and prevent defense, but he produces as well as a a D coordinator. So what were your thoughts yesterday on Schwartzy? Well, you know, I I think he's got a good game plan going. I think they're taking advantage uh, now that they're getting the pressure from that defensive line. I think there's some truth in the fact that probably that defensive line is getting a little healthier, and that certainly helps. Um, I thought they played with, uh, and I wrote this in the grades, more energy and urgency. And I criticized them last week for looking flat. I didn't see that last night. And I thought the defense really helped to set the tone uh, at times. 13 sacks in the last two games combined. And what you, the stats you rattled off, Hunter, showed me, and what they say to me is just how many issues they've had with short fields from all the turnovers the offense has had through those first three weeks. Um, you know, it's put them in some precarious spots. I mean, you're sitting on the sideline. You're trying to get your defense ready for the next possession. You're trying to make and look at maybe making some adjustments. The next thing you know, you got to quick grab your helmet and get out on the field because there was a turnover. Uh, I think that's hurt this defense. And what you saw last night was just the one turnover that they had against them, and therefore they had the ability to really be healthy, rotate their defensive line around, and they played with the lead at times. And it's a different game when you're not behind like they were. Now, I don't like how they let the defense or the opponent move up and down the field when they have that lead late and think that they have enough time left. You saw the Browns almost blow it against the Cowboys for doing that. Uh, but, you know, ultimately he got the win. You can't argue with that. Three turnovers, a pick six. Defense put points on the board. Uh, I, I think he's finally getting that defense moving in the right direction. And now they just got to try to stay healthy and continue, like Mike said, get that pressure from the defensive line in the quarterback's face. And it's going to be a tough task this week with Ben Roethlisberger. All right. Uh, get all the grades at 973ESPN.com. Scott Grayson grades them after every Eagles game. The Eagles with a win over the 49ers, the first place Eagles, that is. Check out all the grades right now at 973ESPN.com. 
Gmail.com. For some reason, Scott, they need to have injuries and some sort of uh, depth problems before they start getting things right. And Doug uh, hinted at it today, you know, they're going to get Deshaun Jackson back. They're going to start getting uh, Alshon Jeffrey back. You know, you know he's going to. What do you do? You just push Fulgham out the door. He was the one guy who made a play. I thought Hightower made a big catcher. I, I, I do think though, maybe you send a message to JJ Ortega Whiteside and just release him. I, well, I was just going to say that he's the guy right now who's on the hot seat. Now, look, Fulgham. Uh, let's not give him you know, a long-term contract or anything like that. He had one good game, and, and he showed up. And to his credit, he had an opportunity. He took advantage of it, a la Greg Ward last year. And now look what Ward's doing. He's become one of the most reliable receivers that they have. Um, it was nice to see a number 13 making some catches. And, uh, you know, that's something that I think they're going to build on. And it's a good problem. Doug did say that today. It'll be a nice problem to have for a change, yeah. a crowded receiver room trying to figure out what to do with it. But I think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is the guy who would be on the chopping block first. And then you go around from there. Look, Deshaun Jackson, for whatever reason, can't stay healthy. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, look, they've talked about potentially trading him and maybe – some of these guys being able to pick up the slack will allow them to go back to look into trading him again uh, once he is finally healthy enough to play. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be a good problem for them to have, and it looks like Carson Wentz is finally starting to get a little more confidence in some of these guys he's throwing the ball to, and I think that's a big development. All right, Scott Grayson, check him out right now, 973ESPN.com. Of course, Grayson's grades will be back for Eagles and Steelers. Uh, Eagles open up as an eight-point doggy dog at home. Is it in Philly that game? No, no, I think it's in, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Is it in Pittsburgh? Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, eight point. I was gonna say an eight point home dog seemed to be kind of crazy. Wait, but look, eight point dog. That's perfect. Eight right, point, right, right where we want it to be. All right, all right, Scott. Take care, man. All uh, right, you guys too. Have a good Monday. Yeah, man. And uh, check out Grayson's grades every Monday at ninety-seven-three ESPN.com. We gave the uh, the the line a D, which uh, I saw a stat today that when Wentz was pressured, he was two for ten. And when he wasn't pressured, he was, you know, whatever. I don't know what his final stats were. I'll have to pull it up. But So, in other words, they got beat 10 times and caused a lot of pressure. They didn't run the ball particularly well last night, I didn't think. So, no, well, I was didn't. just okay. Let me ask you something. Does Greg Ward, maybe this is me just going crazy, but does Greg Ward kind of remind you of Jordan Matthews a little bit? Or am I just going nuts with that statement? Sometimes I watch him, like, reliable over the middle. Like, I just... I think to myself, wow, that just reminds me of when Jordan Matthews was here making those type of catches. Or you don't see any sort of comparison whatsoever. Um, yeah, I mean, all their guys are just guys who just catch and don't do anything. But Greg Ward, he turned out to be someone you can actually rely on to catch the football. It's just the craziest thing in the world. Because back then, when he was making this run last year with the practice squad team, I thought, oh, this is just a guy who's going to be here for the practice squad team. He's not really a NFL player, you know? It's just like, hey, this is what the circumstances are. And turns out he's becoming something. Yeah. Ward is, is, is a definite. He's a guy. He's, he's a somebody. guy. Yeah, he's it's somebody. It's crazy to think he about. He catches the ball. You just literally asked the question, should they cut J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? And I think that that is a reasonable question to ask. But be, it's because of guys like Greg Ward that this is even a question. He, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. I tweeted it last night. How is Greg Ward the best receiver Howie Roseman could find better than anybody he's drafted? I mean, he's better than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He's better than... 
I mean, every guy they've drafted that they've brought in here, Ward's better than. Think about how much money is involved in Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson right now, and you're getting the production from, I, I want to well, say it's the coffee company, the yeah, Fulgers. Let's be fair, though. Their receivers were not overly productive last night. That's true. Hightower made the one catch. I'll give him that on the fourth down. It was a big catch. Other than that, he did bupkis. Ward had a couple catches. Nothing big, nothing spectacular. Fulgham had the one big catch. Who else am I forgetting? Well, they dressed four, right? So who are we missing? Burnett didn't do anything. Yeah, is that is that the fourth guy they dressed? The fact that this is even where we are right now is ludicrous. Yeah, Burnett did nothing. They I don't dressed think he had a catch. four wide receivers. Yeah, so let's not go and say, uh, yeah, they got No, all I know, but it's just crazy to think about how much money they have tied I, up I, into that. I will say, though, I do think they should consider making a point with Artega Whiteside and just saying, sorry, you're not good enough. Do you think they're going to admit that this early? They better. They should. Do I think? No. Should they? I mean, all right, we can get into this on the other side. It's a good conversation because what do you do with J.J. Ortega? I, I say you just cut him. I think you got to make a statement and say, sorry, we're setting a precedent. I don't care if you're a first-round pick, second-round pick. If you're not good enough, you're gone. They got guys that are just flat out better than him. Back with more Sports Bash. There's never an off-season for the NFL. It's SPNFM. 22 after the hour, so I want to get into this wide receiver uh, situation. I literally think you sent the message to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and I'd cut the guy. You on board with that, or you uh, still feel like he can do something? I'm not against it, but I just feel, what would that really do? So it sets a statement to the rest of the team, but is anybody really in a similar situation as J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? Like, I feel he's the only one kind of in this specific situation. So who would that send a message to? What do you mean by this specific situation? Like, you know, he's clearly underwhelming, not usable. Like, is there anybody on this team that was drafted so high that's unusable like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is? No. So that's why I feel if they cut him, like, they might they might as well just keep him well, just maybe. in I case. I mean, you could say Davion Taylor, but, I mean, he's not giving you anything. Right, but I think they went into that. To, yeah. They went into that knowing that he wasn't going to give you anything. You went into J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. We were convinced that he was going to be this red zone threat for them and go up and get a 50-50 ball, and he's unplayable. So I think if you keep him, like the alternative, okay, so you get rid of him. You go out and try and find yourself another guy. I guess at this point you can say that all these practice squad receivers are better than him, so maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, look, you get, I get, Deshaun Jackson you can't count on. Rager's hurt. So that's two. If you get Alshon Jeffrey back, you probably can't count on him either. But let's say those three guys are back. Those three guys are playing. Rieger, Jackson, Jeffrey. Ward, he would be your fourth guy. What role does J.J. Ortega-Whiteside really have if those guys are on the roster? He doesn't have one. He right. doesn't even have one now. He doesn't have one now. He doesn't have one when they're back. I think it's more impactful to send the message to the rest of the team that being a second-round pick, if you don't produce, sorry. Isn't the message a stronger message than keeping him on the team to do nothing? Yes. I just know how this organization operates, and for them to admit it, I just don't see it happening. But I do agree with you that sending the message would be a little bit of a wake-up call. Like, yo, fellas, or do they? Do they look at it and say it's a wake-up call? Because is everybody in that locker room right now going, man, this kid stinks? Well, and you can't you can't look around and be like, look, if he goes somewhere else, you know, Aguilar is someplace else, and he's been 
somewhat productive. I he mean, had a you, huge touchdown that got that got pulled away sadly yesterday because of a penalty. It was a bomb, and it was he tracked the ball. He tracked the ball over the shoulder. It was crazy. And it didn't count, so you won't see it on the stat sheet. But he has been somewhat productive with I mean, the Raiders. He's, he's, look, I always said about Aguilar, you know, he if you used him correctly, he was productive. If you try to use him as something he was not, it, it, you didn't. You he was not what he what the Eagles tried. To, and injuries were a lot of the problem in the Super Bowl year. He was very good, very good that Super Bowl year. But after that, when they needed him to, because of injuries, he was not able to step up. He's much better as your number three guy than obviously the one or the two. But the message from the Eagles is, hey, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, we drafted him in the second round, and we missed. Admit that you made the mistake. Show everybody that you made the mistake and move on from it. And I think it's so much better than keeping this kid around if, if look, if you believe in your heart of hearts he's not performing because of injuries, that's a different story. But do you think that that's the case? No, I don't. And I feel what we're talking about now should happen during the offseason for next year. Like, I don't think that they see a reason to just cut him because I don't know. I don't know how impactful cutting J-Jaw would be. It would be different if it was someone who, like, for example, a message sent to a locker room. Let's say you have a talented player who helps you contribute, but he did something so stupid off the field that you cut him. That's a big wake-up call to everybody in the locker room. It's like, we don't care about your production. We don't care how good you are. If you mess up outside this organization and you you do something to to jeopardize ourselves and everybody in this locker room, we're going to cut you. That's an important statement, but if you cut someone who just flat out stinks is that a statement for anybody in there in the locker room you know what i mean though do you see the difference of the situations yeah i do think it is a statement okay. if you say this guy if the locker room knows that this guy is not contributing but he's only on the roster because of his draft status don't you think the players feel that Yes and no. The only reason why I think it's a little different is because I don't think anybody is kind of in that same situation as Jay Jaw this year. So I feel everybody's in there and they kind of know. Like, well, it man, happened when last is, year. When is he going to take the roster on this too, guy? Though, that 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 you had Nelson Aguilar make the team or play get playing time over Greg Ward simply because he was a first round draft pick. Do you think it was simply because of that, or do you think it's because he had a lot of success in this league the, for the year for this team specifically on a year where they won a Super Bowl? Jay Jaw hasn't gave you nothing. Like Nelson Aguilar, I know he was struggling, but you've seen him actually do something in this league. You haven't seen it with Jay Jaw. But I'm not, look, Sidney Jones had plenty of opportunities. You're not wrong. Sidney Jones, second round pick. They kept giving him opportunities. Rasul Douglas, third round pick. By the they way, ended up cutting him. You mentioned Rasul Douglas. Seems to work out okay in Carolina. Well, we talked about this with uh, Mosher on Friday about why it's working there. You know, do the Eagles need to open their eyes and, you know, different schemes. They're using him differently than the Eagles did here. Now, if you heard during the broadcast last night, we talked about this. The Eagles are playing a lot more man now because of Slay, I think. And you can see the difference in what Slay provides. Now, people were asking me, why don't you put Slay on George Kittle? That was the kind of response I was getting last night during George Kittle just slicing everybody up. Well, I mean... How do you think that matchup would go if you try putting Slay on? No, but what, one thing I said, oh my God, I said LeBlanc, who I get it is not known for his speed, but he got outrun by a tight, he got burned by a tight end. I will say this: if you notice the Eagles' defense this year, lot less over the top double move X moves that are burning them. Yes, absolutely, that is very true. And that play that you're talking about, I think it was LeBlanc and Epps. Speaking of Epps, 
That play by Ayuk uh, jumped over him, yeah. hurdled him. Oof, pretty embarrassing. It was. It was pretty definitely, embarrassing. It was definitely embarrassing. It yeah. was an awful effort to take. He had his head completely. He wasn't even looking at the guy. I know. What he got jumped over? You didn't even see the guy. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, a lot of people were asking me last night on Twitter, bro, would you put Did Darius you? Slay on Kittle? It's like a Kittle's going to slice you up all over. Did the you place. notice Mills Jeez. at all? No, but is that a bad thing? No, but I mean, the, there was a report before the game from Adam Kaplan that said that he was going to start at corner and Epps was going to start at safety. They didn't mention it at all. I didn't notice during the introductions um, at the beginning of the game. I didn't know if Mills was playing corner. I barely saw him on the field. Now, they didn't throw a lot on the outside. They didn't do much with their outside receivers. A lot of their stuff is underneath and bubble screens and, you know, that kind of stuff. They didn't take shots down the field. So I don't know whether – how many did we uh, – the snap counts – got to check out the snap counts for um, Mills because I didn't notice him at all. Yeah, but it's sort of like the offensive line play. And we'll see once you get the snap count up. If you don't hear them, that means they did a good job. And just the fact that you have somebody who can play safety, get thrown into a safety position after playing cornerback for a couple years, then he has to play cornerback in a game of, you know, must-win game, and he's out there, just shows the versatility of him. Now, he's average. He's a versatile average player, but they're still nice to have on your roster, and I think that... You know, you needed that because what else were you going to do? You talked about Craven LeBlanc getting torched by a tight end. You know, it's if he was your alternative, because that's probably what you would have had to do if Jalen Mills was not playing outside corner. You probably would have had to put Craven LeBlanc out there for the, the well, whole game. What, yeah, exactly. So I, I got to check the, the the snaps for uh, for Mills last night to see where he ended up. Uh, how many snaps he ended up getting? Oh, he played a hundred percent last night, yeah, so exactly. he was out there every play. I didn't notice him at all. I guess that's a good thing. That's absolutely a good thing. Yeah, that shows he did his job and he was he was good at it. So, and I always thought about that during the conversations of him moving to safety. Would you ever see him move back to corner if he needed to? And it would have been real nice if you had Will Parks in there. So it could have been he Will Parks. He should be Parks. coming back soon, I would guess. Let's hope so. Brought to you all of a sudden some positive vibes. Sports Pass brought to you by your Delaware Valley Acura dealers. This month, visit your local dealer for great deals on award-winning Acura. Lineup coming up. Football at four. Andrew DeCecco. I'm sure Andrew DeCecco is just giddy about Travis Fulham. I want to hear his breakdown of what he saw in tape previous. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like previously diving into all these players. I know he was all pumped up about Adrian Killens getting a shot to play as well. He didn't do much, but how can they incorporate more of him? All that coming up. Football at 4 plus Bob Wankel and some Phillies news we'll get to during headlines. Wake up. Weekday morning. All right, 336 here on the Sports Bash. It's uh, been a busy day. It's a busy weekend. Matt Klintak stepped down. Doc Rivers met the media today. John Middleton met the media on Saturday. Today, Reese Hoskins had Tommy John surgery. What's the outlook for him? Position player Didi had Tommy John. We'll have to see how that all works out. So a lot of news. Fires. Matt Niskanen. Man, we got it all. What's, uh, where do we start? I don't, I don't know where we start, but I do know that DraftKings Sportsbook, that's the way to make some cash. Yo, I know you made some cash this weekend, huh? <laughs> I made a little bit of cash. Just now, a little bit. Okay, a lot of it. All right. Well, I will say, I, I, I like. I got Tyler. There was a there was a great odds boost last night for Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler to outscore AD and LeBron. I said that's an interesting one. I'll take a shot. Like, give me some interest in that NBA Finals game while the Eagle game was going. On. Man, was I interested in that game? 
hit that one. Any Butler. other ones? Butler had a big night. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into that for sure. Look, yeah, a couple di- other ones. Yeah? Yeah, well, that's if, right. If you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code 973 when you sign up, there's plenty of outstanding odds boosts and promotions out there, and Kill's cashing in on them. You might as well, too. Odds boosts. $20 profit boost on the Eagle money line last night. Wow, you went Eagles money line. The value was too good. Plus like 295. They were 9 point dogs well, by the beginning you know what's of that funny? game. I started to get a feeling. Like, you know what? I just felt something and then, you know, Sal Powell was on Friday said he thought they were covered and a lot of people started to say they were going to cover. So then I was thinking doing I had it at plus 9 right around the kickoff. And I said, "You know what? The plus 295 is too juicy. Let me just go that route." I mean, it wasn't like this I couldn't pay my mortgage off with it, but I was like, yeah, 25 bucks, you know? I had a three-teamer with the four o'clock games. Pretty nice. Any soccer? Four soccer games this weekend. What league? 4-0. Serie A. I'm just killing it on 6-0 and on Serie A soccer. Name a couple players. Sosolo. No, I don't think that's a player. I think that's a team. Sosuelo. Bologna. I have no clue. Brussels Sprouts. Perma. <laughs> Parma, Parma. You just guess, sir. Big Pharma. You just guess it. Uh, these picks. I mean, if you're six and zero. Yeah, I'm, I'm killing it. That's incredible. Well, moral of the story is you can go to DraftKings Sportsbook, download the free mobile app, use promo code nine seven three when you sign up. Just beautiful odds and promotions. I Gil's, like them. Gil's taking advantage of them left and right. So am I. I cashed in too, big time Eagles last night. Lakers though. We got to start with basketball, right? Jimmy Butler, 40-point triple-double. It makes it a little more interesting. It's funny. I stopped by your house on Saturday. We had a couple gold ones. We had a couple uh, daddies, if you will. And uh, I was like, dude, we can't even talk NBA Finals. Like, there's nothing to even talk about. At that point, it was 2-0 Lakers. No conversations even happening with this Finals run. And then last night, I think it opens the door a little more. I will say this. Like, I'm into the NBA Finals, but the problem is they're on Sunday night last night. You know, what am I going to do? The Eagles are on. Now, I had the NBA Finals on my laptop. I was watching. I was like, dude, it was an entertaining game. Butler was unbelievable. It just... Can you find ratings? I don't know. They'll probably be out of... The NBA ratings have not been good. They have not been good. I wouldn't expect yesterday's game to be a horrendous rating performance when you're going up against Sunday Night Football. Yeah, the the NBA ratings just have not been good. And, you know, a lot of factors here. They're going against football. They're in a very unconventional time of the year. They're on at weird times. I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's just there's baseball playoffs tonight. You got Yankees Rays tonight. Now, there's no NBA tonight, but... Tomorrow, you got Yankees Rays up against the NBA Finals. I mean, it just never happens. You Typically, would think the basketball would blow that out of the water, though, no? Well, yeah, because you got four baseball games on. But still, Yankees Rays. Yankees, if there's one baseball game that's going to draw some people, I think that's going to be the one. And it's on at the prime time, 7 o'clock. Well, NBA would be 9. No, the NBA, no? well, typically the NBA tomorrow, for some reason on Tuesday, the Yankee game is at 8, and the NBA game is moving to 8. And is it on or ESPN? Nine, or I don't know. Yeah, well, they're both. They're, I wonder if it's on ABC and ESPN, so it's the same network. So they're going to battle it out against each That's other. That's what I'm like saying. Like, so you're in this situation where you're constantly, you know, up against yourself. I mean, you got four baseball. I guess the baseball started today, I would imagine, right? Yeah, I think there's some afternoon there's games. There's four games every day. There's a one, a four, a seven, a 
115, a 415, or something like that. A, a 147. It's like a Babe Ruth tournament. There's four games going on at a time. And then you got the basketball jammed in there. Look, Butler last night was outrageous. Butler last night, and they outscored. Hero and Butler outscored Davis and, and LeBron. Yeah, Davis had in foul trouble early. I just look at that game, and it's that's what you need to win against the Lakers, and I just don't know if Jimmy Butler can do that for four victories, that's you know? Just, yeah, that's not who Butler is. He's not the guy to score 50 points in a game. He's, you know, 18. He's that guy. But last night he transformed into a guy that you need him to be the rest of the way, really. Do you think that this kind of opens the door, or it was more of a, no. hey, it, it happened, maybe this goes five or six? Now, what do you think of, uh, on that question, what do you think of Butler giving it to LeBron? I love it. That's what you, you know, you that's what you bear? want. Well, I mean, I, look, Jimmy Butler isn't going to look the other way, no matter who it is, and I'm a big LeBronsman. We all understand that. But I like the fact that somebody's going to step up to him and mouth off to him and give him a little bit of a, hey, you know what? That makes this entertaining. I want to be entertained. I want this finals to be something where there's storylines, where, you know, it's intense, where you can see the hatred between one another, with respect out there, of course, but there's hatred involved. And I, I want to see that. So I would rather see that than someone look the other way. Now, I do think that they're blowing this whole LeBron James walks off the court with 10 seconds left out of proportion. I mean, he just waited pretty much right there off the side of the nah, court. come on. If anybody else did that, that's a bad look. You're the Is best it? player in the game, and you just walk off the court and say, you guys finish this crap up. There was eight seconds left, ten seconds, and they're just dribbling the ball out. With everything basketball does, see, someone I like me. It. I get it. When it's, they it's just shoot, the... like, to me, all right, as someone who played hockey my whole life, when a play's over, and the fact that players just shoot the basketball on the empty net, right, and they just, like, try and make a shot when the whistle was already blown, to me, that's kind of embarrassing to, that you do that. In hockey, you would never shoot the puck when the whistle's dead and you just fire it into an empty net if the goalie's skating off from the crease into the to the bench. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's more of a conversation than someone just kind of walking off the side of the court where the clock runs out. It's not game seven. If it's game seven and he's not shaking hands, it's a different story. I think it, they're reaching. It just, again, it doesn't bother me. I'm just saying, anybody else, like, you walk off the court, you're essentially like, I don't need this crap. You guys finish this game out. It was 10 seconds doesn't left. matter if it's 10.1. There's still time on the clock, and you chose to not stand on the floor. It just, it, I think it's a bad look, although I'm not ripping. I didn't rip them for it. I think if you're just asking me my opinion, I wouldn't do that. I think it's a horrible look as the best player in the world to just say, I'm too good to be out on the floor for the last 10 seconds. That's all. I don't I get know it. if that's Ten the seconds, statement not he winning was the game. trying to make. I don't think he was trying to make any statement. I'm not saying he was yeah. trying to make a statement. I'm saying the statement as someone who's watching is saying the best player in the world is now telling a young kid, eh, walk off the court with 10. Who cares? If you probably asked him today, I think he'd be like, hey, I should have handled it another way. You know, like, I don't think he wakes up and is like, oh, that was such a great decision by me. He probably thought, you know what, got the best it's of me. A terrible the, look. That's the all. heat of the moment probably got the best of me and I was frustrated and I did something I, I regret. But I don't think that it deserves to, like, insanely crush him for. You know what I mean? Neither do I. But, yeah. again, if you're asking me, I would just say I think it's a bad look for the best player in the world to walk off the court with 10 seconds to make it like, I'm above this. I don't need to be on the floor. When you, when you have the position of power like he does, people are watching everything you do. And just to stand on the outside of the court while there's still time on the clock, what are you telling young kids? Ten seconds, eh, go sit in the bleachers. What's the difference? This game doesn't matter anymore.
it's a I bad think, look. I think the emotions got the best of them, and it is what it, it is. It, but they it's could, so minor. The emotions could have gotten the best of them, but guess what? You're the best player. The emotions can't get the best of you. That's why you're the best, and that's why you get criticized. So I never complain when someone criticized. That's why if the quarterback plays crappy, he gets the praise when they win. He gets the backlash when they lose. That comes with your territory of being the best. You can't have an off night when you're the best. You well, can't to be have fair, he wasn't the reason why they lost. No, he it was wasn't. more Anthony Davis not sure. being able to step up in, the, in that game. Absolutely. But guess what? You're the best player. That's what it comes down to. You're LeBron James. You can't. It's like the people who it, 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 like want to blame. It's like, this guy did this. This guy did that. But that guy did that. doesn't matter. That guy's not in charge. He is. Okay? LeBron James is the best player. So, yeah, it's not his fault, but he's the best player, so he gets the criticism. If you want to criticize him for that game. I'm not. I'm saying it, but it, 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 I'm not criticizing him. My point is, as the best player, as the leader, you take the criticism whether you deserve it or not and say, you know what? I didn't play well enough for our team to win. Yeah, we know Anthony Davis got into foul trouble and didn't play well, but in the end, the best and the leader takes the blame, no matter whether it's their fault or not. And LeBron James, he takes the blame for it. He should anyway. All right, that's fine. I mean, I've seen plenty of playoff series, especially the finals, that aren't sweeps. So whoever the best player is during the NBA finals, you don't sweep every single NBA final. So if there's a game like this that happens, fine, yeah, of you course. take it on the and chin and you and move look, forward. Yeah, exactly. They, you, you, know, you don't sweep, but it's bad. Look, you lose to Miami with their two starters out. Yeah, but like they we, were the biggest, like we talked about, they were the biggest favorite in NBA history for I the think, series to lose, to lose a game for the series. No, that game last night, they were like a whatever point favorite in that game last night. I don't know, it was like ten. Like, I don't know that that's ever happened before. Well, we also mentioned how Jimmy Butler played a game that isn't Jimmy Butler, so it took something that isn't realistic to win that game. So it wasn't like, you know... Yeah, they're still playing without Bam and yeah, Drogba. Yeah, I know. I mean, it happens. I don't think that them losing a, a basketball game is... To expect them to just sweep in the NBA Finals, to me, is just a little outrageous. Well, it's happened many times before. I mean, if anything, the NBA Finals has a lot of times been very lopsided. Not recently, in the past. I mean, those Laker teams swept out, you know, the, the, the Nets. And, you know, we've seen a lot of sweeps when... The, and, by, by the way, you got a five seed who's down two starters. I mean, it was already... The Lakers are like minus 800 to win the series. And then you take two starters away from the Heat. I mean, that game last night should have been a lopsided Laker win. I just think it's hard to say I agree in with a seven-game series, you, you have to win every game and dominate it. It's just not like realistic. That's why we talk about all the if time. If they're healthy, if the, if the Heat came healthy and they won last night, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. In fact, we thought they were going to steal game one. They ended up stealing game three. But once they lost their two guys after up 2-0, this just shows a little lack of focus. That's all. But that lack of focus, I would say, would go more on Anthony Davis than LeBron James. I don't ever blame the second guy, though. But see, that's the unfair. The first guy gets the blame. But that's unfair. So if someone Doesn't plays, matter. No, that's, you talk about irrational. I think that that's irrational. Because LeBron, if LeBron James plays a phenomenal game and Anthony Davis sucks, you go, ah, you know what? I blame LeBron. I just don't think that that's fair. Like, that's that's kind of ridiculous to me. I'm not blaming him for... I didn't say he played poorly. I'm not saying that it was his fault that they lost. But when you're the best player and your team doesn't look interested, they didn't really seem like that game uh, they thought they were going to get pushed in. That's all. Yeah, the best player always has 
accountability. I understand. He should that. want the accountability. But here's the thing: Anthony Davis is the favorite to win Finals MVP this season, uh, this playoff run. If he ends up winning it, right? So. You can argue that this playoff run, LeBron has taken a different role than he's normally accustomed to, being more of a point guard, being more of a facilitator to the point when if Anthony Davis isn't playing, that's what you're going to really need to win this championship because LeBron is a different role at 35 than he did maybe at 28. I understand all of that. And if I'm LeBron James, I would be the guy sitting down saying, I want the blame. Blame me for why we didn't win that game. Maybe he does. I I didn't hear anything post-game of him, you know, blaming other people or whatever. I mean, he's normally someone who is pretty damn good with the media. So So I think he looks at that situation, and he's probably not happy with himself. I would imagine LeBron wakes up today and is like, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. That wasn't the best statement, and he moves on and addresses it with his team or whatever. And and, I mean, he is a respectful guy. It's not like he's... Do I think they're going to lose the series? No. In fact, losing that game last night might be the reason why they take... And win this thing four games to one. True, yeah, it could be a it could be a way to kind and of. And hero, by the way, mind. was terrible last night. Yeah, th- that mean mug when he was shooting like six of eighteen or whatever. He shoot he shoots the mean six mug face. He was two. For what was it when he made that? Point. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was horrendous. But you cashed out your bet. I did. Um, let's move along here. Matt Clentac fired. Step down. Step down. Not fired. He step got reassigned. Down. Still in the organization. What is no, he doing? Going to be picking a popcorn up, vendor? Picking up the baseballs. No, I can see him being the guy. Popcorn. Can you, <laughs> you imagine going to a game next season? You, you point at the popcorn guy, and it's Matt Klentak. He looks like he could wear like the popcorn hat. <laughs> a lot of issues here, though, with John Middleton's press conference, and we'll have Bob Wankel on later on, and we'll discuss that. But, wow, was John Middleton's press conference. You think you would be happy that Matt Klentak's no longer here? I think I'm so pissed off with what I heard out of Middleton that it takes wow. away my excitement of that. What ticked you off? Well, first off, we're hearing that the the interim GM, who is a clone of Matt Klintak, it might take six months to a year to figure out who you want as your GM because of COVID. Excuse me? No, no, no. You pick up the damn phone and you call Tampa. You pick up the damn phone and you make sure that COVID doesn't be the issue. You can't just play around with a Matt Klintak clone and not go out and make sure that you get the guy that's right. Then he goes on about prospects. It's a hundred-year issue with prospects. Well, then figure it out and change your whole system. There's a problem with the scouts then. There's a problem with your philosophy from single A all the way up. You're going to have to wipe out everything if you have a 100-year prospect issue. And this isn't a change that happens over uh, overnight. And he was fighting back and he, oh, it was the baseball's people. It, it was their problem. The baseball people we had, it was their problem why JT Real Muto wasn't signed. Are you kidding me? No, it's on you. You can override anybody you want to. So if your baseball people said we're not re-signing JT, that's when you step in, you put your fingerprints on it, and you sign JT. He's such a fraud to me right now. I'm pissed off with John Middleton. Yeah, that. The other part where he said I put no blame on Clintac at all that they couldn't get the deal done with uh, him. After why? Well, the baseball people said that we could get a deal done. There was a lot in that press conference. He was a little smug at somebody, too, about McPhail. Well, have you won? Oh, the, you knew we oh, won yeah. two championships, right? Gil, that was what? Ni- I wasn't even born yet. 94, 93, 92. I mean, it was in that range with the Minnesota Twins, early 90s. I wasn't even born. Don't tell me that someone who won in the 90s, early 90s, knows what he's doing in 2020 in baseball because the game's not even close to the same. McPhail is going to be out of here after the year is over. He's just here because he has a year left. But you're going to trust him to help you with the GM hire who just hired Matt Klintak, and you're going to get rid of the guy in a year anyway. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, the, the, and 
the sad part about the whole thing is, yeah, he was kind of like, hey, well, we don't know, you know, do you know what the governor's going to let us do? Do you know what the mayor's going to let us do? Do you think other organizations are kind of like letting, especially billionaire? I mean, the guy's a billionaire. And he's letting, like, this little $180 million, $200 million, fine, side project that he has, like, tax payoff. Come on. Here's one thing, though, about the luxury tax. So I know know a lot of people are upset about the luxury tax thing. I get you can't buy a team. And he did say this. You just can't buy a full roster. So I understand that the luxury tax is a problem. But when you have the issue that you have, when you have a horrendous farm system and you can't bring anybody up because you don't have anybody... You can't just say, go over the luxury tax by millions of dollars and just buy yourself a team. That's when you need to take steps back and realize you got to wipe clean of this entire organization and build from the jump again, which we were supposed to do five years ago at Clintac. Poor Bryce Harper, because he's going to sit through another session of a rebuild, because they have to. They have to wipe clean and start all over again, because they have no prospects whatsoever. <sighs> I'm pissed. Pissed. Well, Bob Wankel, 4.30 tonight. We'll talk to him about it. Also, Doc Rivers today. Yeah. Interesting stat. 65% of the time that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the court together, the the Sixers win. So he said, first off, he said he got fired or they decided to part ways. He said he had three teams reach out to him immediately. He He said, I was ready to take a year off. I was done with coaching. But when the Sixers called me, too much talent on that team to turn it down. Had to take that interview. A couple days later, boom, here we are. Glenn. They didn't call him Glenn. He was Doc. Okay. I respect that. All right. On the other side, it's football at four. We get into that. Eagles victory last night. Then Bob Wanker will talk to Phillies. Casey Joyner, one thought on every game. Sports Bash brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call with four convenient locations to serve you online. GMSLaw.com. Here is your Sports Bash cash code word. The word is ARM. A. R-M. Enter it now on our website, 97.3 ESPN.com. Arm. A-R-M. It's-